Hoopball Podcast listeners. Are you a fantasy expert and want to write or podcast for Hoopball? Do you have aspirations of covering a team? Are you a master of sales and want to earn some cash on the phones? Well, we've got good news. Hoopball's recruiting. If you think you have what it takes, hit us up at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or by emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Again, that's at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. The following is a Hoopball presentation. Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of NBA Today. I'm your host, Corbin Ford. It has been a hot minute. Um, it's a crazy time. It's a lot going on. A brief bout of sickness, but um, I am back. I am healthy. And on NBA Today, we are welcoming our first return guest. And you may hear a lot more from him. I'm going to use him as much as I can while we have him. Eric writer for the Denver Nuggets. You can follow him at Eric Spiros NBA. Um, if you listen to our last episode, longtime friend, uh, I was co-host on his podcast, the 94 Feet Report, for a while. He was uh, editor-in-chief of that, podcast host there. We- we've been going through it. In fact, this episode is a fun one we've been with because we're going to revisit an episode that we did two years ago um, to this time. And Eric, I got to throw it to you. How you doing, man? And how you feeling about this podcast we're about to do? Listen, I, I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good for now, but I don't know how I'm gonna feel after we get through this podcast. Because let me tell you, this is this could be an interesting one. Uh, like you like you said, we did do a uh, a ranking of the young cores. We did it back in March of 2018. It was a, it was one of our episodes for the 94 Feet Report podcast. So it's been a, a little bit over two years since we've done uh, ranking the top young cores in the league. Um, it, it's gonna be really interesting because. There's a lot has changed, obviously, since that time. Um, you know, we've had two drafts, two draft classes that have entered the league, and both of them, you know, brought a lot of talent into the league, as we'll obviously get to. Um, you know, teams like the Lakers basically, you know, traded away their young core so they could go all in. Um, then we're also, I mean, it's important that we point it out now, we're keeping the age restriction to 25 or younger. Mm-hmm. So players like Embiid, Siakam, you know, those guys are 26 years old, so they don't, they technically don't count when we rank the, the cores for now. And then, you know, you've got natural, like, players that are still eligible have developed over the past two years, you know, some positively and some not so positively. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, it's going to be wild to kind of c- compare our current list and then maybe, you know, later in the episode or maybe as we mentioned each team, we could talk about where we had them in 2018. I don't know, but it's, it's going to be interesting. It is. I mean, you know, and I think, honestly – before we even press on, and I, I have to hear what you think about this, Eric. Before we even start with our current rankings and get down to it, do we kind of want to run through our ones from two years ago and kind of see almost what we had and maybe our brief thoughts on it and obviously how different they are now, either because the talent or just moves <laughs> Lakers? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. Let's, yeah, let's start there. Let's start. This is March of 2018. Um I'll, I'll go. I'll start with my list in the top three. My top three young cores in March of 2018 were number one, the 76ers, number two, the Celtics, and number three, the Nuggets. Um, I've got your top. Th- our top two are actually the same. So yeah, 
That, that yeah. you had the 76ers and Celtics, but at number three, you <laughs> had another Northwest Division team, but it was not the Nuggets. No, um, and I'm 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 very much embarrassed to admit this. It was the Minnesota Timberwolves. And listen, like <laughs> it's, I need to try to defend this now. And if you think that's weird, you should imagine having listened to the pod like we both did in preparation for this one, and like hearing my thoughts in I guess real time back then on how high I was on Andrew Wiggins. And most of my argument was really built on the, he's only 23. Like, that was, you know, he's given no <laughs> signs that there was any upward um, trajectory in production, but the potential word was still there. And as long as he was, you know, under 25, in my head, there was hope. Um, and I think after that, it was Tyus Jones, who, while still a solid backup guard, is is not anyone I'd like to prop up for my prospect list. So it was really Carl Anthony Towns doing the heavy lifting, um, but I thought Andrew Wiggins was so good as the second, like, potential second banana to Towns that they collectively lifted the Timberwolves over some teams like the Bucks and others that uh, probably should have been ahead of them, you know, if I was really thinking straight. <laughs> you know what's funny? I was trying to talk you off that Wiggins Island what? in that episode. I remember, I remember I gave you the question of, like, who would you rather have, Wiggins or Jabari Parker, which is interesting oh because gosh. the Bucks, we actually, ironically... We had different teams at three, but we we both ended up having the Bucks at four in 2018. Um, and obviously this one was, you know, Giannis had kind of really established himself. I think that was his first All-Star year, but he was not the, you know, MVP monstrous top two, top three player in the league yet. Um, you know, Parker was still considered there, and that's where we had that Wiggins-Parker debate, which is absolutely hilarious talking about it in 2020. <laughs> where in 2018, it was like an actual like question because obviously they came in the same draft class back-to-back picks. But um, yeah, the Bucks were four for both of us. Um, and then we diverged again. So at five is where I had the Timberwolves. And at five, you had the Lakers. Um, and obviously, the, you know, that'll be very different than now because the Lakers traded their young core to get AD. But reasoning, your reasoning for the Lakers at five and your the Nuggets all the way down at six in your 2018 list. Okay, see, I knew you were going to address me over the Nuggets. Like, and now, listen, for the Lakers, I still, okay, I mean, I'm probably going to make the same argument when I go to the Pelicans, so I almost want to hold it back a little bit. But true, true. for the Lakers at the time, Brandon Ingram I was high on. I, I almost think I made a Kevin Durant comparison. I really kind of wish I hadn't, but, you know, that was there. Lonzo, um, Josh Hart, it was pretty much the same group um, that we know now, I mean, on the Pelicans, with the exception of Kyle Kuzma. But being a Lakers fan, having... um maybe the purple and gold glasses on, I definitely saw the potential of those players as more than I was getting from the Nuggets, which in retrospect is painful to even say because it's not like those players weren't effective even then and younger. Like almost all that Nuggets team, you know, with the exception of those who've been traded away in the past two years are still eligible and will still be discussed tonight. But um, it was just funny for me. I thought, hey, listen, Brandon Ingram has the potential to be the best player on his team um, I think I made a similar argument for Lonzo, um, and I thought on the Nuggets side, with the exception of Nikola Jokic, I didn't really see anyone else there. I wasn't super high on um, Jamal Murray, if I remember, and Gary Harris was solid, but um, I actually don't feel... Okay, so here's the funny thing, and I, we're going to talk about this, so I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but like, if, if we're going to take those Lakers players now Pelicans, Laker Pels, whatever the case may be, line them up with the Nuggets players. Yeah, for the most part, maybe after like the first two, like maybe five through seven or, or three through seven would be Nuggets. But I still 
am not high on the guys I, I wasn't high on to begin with. And as a Nuggets per, you know, resident expert here, maybe you can help me with some of these. But, like, Gary Harris has been weird. Jamal Murray has been interesting. I mean, they've had moments, but, like, I don't know. But but either way, there's no reason the Nuggets should have been six, especially not in 2018. And um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can't defend that, so I will merely choose to um, blame my propping up the Lakers on uh, being a little um, – biased that's fair that is that that is totally fair um you know i want to mention yeah i want i'll kind of i definitely want to address those nuggets questions but we're also about to talk about them and as you said most of their guys in 2018 are still actually eligible for the list so we we can still talk about them there Uh, i do want to mention before we before we finish with our 2018 list so i had the lakers at six and then i had i think we each had two honorable mentions that we just didn't rank but we mentioned them and i had the jazz and pacers and you had the Suns and the Bulls. Um, the ja- Yeah, so the, the Suns are going to be factoring into my list um, when we get to the 2020 list. But the Jazz and, and Pacers are, and, and Bulls are not. So that was just an interesting perspective on where things were in 2018. Um, but like I said, so much has changed. We've had such an influx in, in young talent through the past two drafts. We've had player development. Mm-hmm. We've had trades. Like, so just to recap, my 2018 list, and then I'll, I'll throw it to you for yours. My 2018 list was uh, in order: 76ers, Celtics, Nuggets, Bucks, Timberwolves, Lakers in the top six. We only ranked six back then, um, and my two honorable mentions were the Jazz and the Pacers. Okay, and then see, mine was the 76ers as well. The Celtics, same thing. Timberwolves third, Bucks. Lakers and Nuggets and then my honorable mention as you referenced were the Suns and the Bulls so yeah a lot has changed and this is an interesting thought exercise in terms of players who have you know aged out players whose stock has uh, rose and players whose stock kind of fell hard and how that impacts the teams and you know where we are now it really is and for this I kind of like my rankings, technically I did put together a list of the top 10 co- young cores for 2020, but basically after five, like, I feel like the rankings are so kind of murky and interchangeable, but basically I tried to focus on actually ranking the top five and then basically six through 10, I did put them in an order, but I feel like it gets much closer, like after you get out the top five, but without further ado, should we just dive right into which team we have number one? Yes, I was going to say, as the guest, you know I need you to go number one, Mr. Eric. All right. All the pressure. Number one, choosing between these top two teams was was really hard for me. Uh, I went back Uh and forth, like, a lot. But I did end up going with the Pelicans. Um, Good. Listen, I think think the star power of Zion is, is, is almost, like, too intriguing to pass on for the Pelicans being number one. I do, I do hear an argument for Ja. I think Jaws is a really close second to Zion. This is already spoiling that I have the Grizzlies second. I'm terrible at this. But anyways, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I do I do understand. I think that Jaws is really close to Zion. I think that, you know, with Zion's injury concerns, you know, you, some could make a case that maybe you'd want Jaws for the future. I still think you bank on the star potential of Zion and, and what he showed in the limited action he had this year was, was really good. Um, so that the star power, you know, obviously – when I look at ranking young cores, I obviously like to take a swing on or maybe bet on true star potential. And obviously Zion has it, but the, the key thing for the Pelicans, um, one is Brandon Ingram developing into an all-star level player is, is really the key for them being number one. If he had a moderate season or, you know, a disappointing season, I probably would put the Grizzlies above the Pelicans because I really like what the Grizzlies have around jaw. But 
you know, Ingram developed into an all-star level player. You know, uh, Lonzo had shown, you know, a good amount of signs this year on both ends of the floor. Three-point shot was looking a lot better, um, seems more comfortable. Um, and I feel like even though I'm lower on Ingram still than, than others, his development overall was, was huge for this young core. And then you get to their other guys um, like Hayes, like Hart, um, Alexander Walker, like all, all of those guys to me project to be, you know, nice support players and depth pieces, which is, you know, important to have for a team. Obviously, I think mm-hmm. star power is the most important when you're talking about young players, but you obviously want to have some kind of depth um, pieces that fit in, et cetera. But the, the two things that made the Pelicans number one for me is star power of Zion is just too intriguing to pass on. And Brandon Ingram's development, which was much better than I expected it to be. And those two reasons, you know, with their nice supporting cast, have the Pelicans slightly above the Grizz for number one for me in 2020. Okay, see, I agree with you on the Pelicans. I also have the number one. For me, it wasn't necessarily that close. Um, And I think the big reason is I was looking at, obviously, um, Zion for the Pelicans just far and away kind of – this is the thing I had we all had faith in Zion that he would deliver and I feel like in the small sample size that we got from him yes you can I think the way that there's a there's a system in place or formula that you can have him be like what he already is the anchor of this team uh for me being higher on Brandon Ingram than you certainly helps and certainly factors into this but also I think that he showed this year being an all-star really taking over for the Pelicans for the first stretch of the season while Zion was out. Um, it remains to be seen just how well he blends with Zion. That was still a work in progress when the season ended. But at best, I think that, um, or at worst, I mean, I think that Ingram is playing up to the potential that, you know, I always believed in, you know that, and others as well, <laughs> as someone who can be a go-to and is surely to be, you know, maxed out by the Pelicans this season. But it's not even just those two, whose star potential I like right now more than Ja and Jaron Jackson. It's also the guys on the Pelicans who project as useful um, rotation players in your Jackson Hayes, in your um, your Josh Hart, Lonzo Ball. I feel like he's more like a, a superstar role player, but he fits more in that rotation place for me. Um, Nikhil Alexander-Walker didn't do super great this year, but he's another guy who I look at in that area. And I think you have all this young talent who at best is starting level caliber players I mean, at worst, the starting level caliber players, and at best, is like just all-star, perennial all-stars in Zion and Brandon Ingram. For me, they were there. Um, and then Lonzo Ball's kind of the swing piece because I think that he still has the potential. He improved his shooting drastically. He's still an excellent distributor. Um, his defensive numbers are pretty good. His shooting is that swing factor, but I think that he can also step up another level. Maybe, you know, never a person to be like the best player on the team, but someone who could be a really solid second man. And if you already have him, alongside Zion and Brandon, uh, for me, the potential there is still enough. I, I definitely have the Pelicans number one. Um, number two was harder, and I'm sure we're going to get to that in a minute, but I dropped the Grizzlies down, not because of anything that they haven't that they haven't done, just that I was a lot higher on the Pelicans right now, um, just from what I've seen and Brandon Ingram's improvement and the way he just took over. I mean, he, he made an all-star team. He's still, you know, what, 22, 23? That, that right there just, just squarely put him up there. Um, and put the Pelicans over the Grizz for me. Yeah, no, those are those are all good points. Um, you know, maybe I did overthink a little bit. Something. I mean, I tend to overthink a lot of these rankings, and <laughs> like I said, there's so, this. I found ranking the young cores like in 2020 like 
twice or three times as hard as yeah. 2018. Like, 2018 was like, you know, there were definitely some clear-cut, like, these teams have got the young cores. you got to watch out for them. But now in, the, in 2020, maybe there, there's been so many tanking teams. Again, 2018 and 2019 draft classes provided a lot of high-end talent um, that's young. Like, there are so many teams that, that make it really hard. And even, even deciding for number two, for, between number two and number three for me was like a, a big ordeal <laughs> because <laughs> I, I ended up with the Grizzlies like I already revealed. Um, but I, I could have gone either way with the team I had at three based on – favoring the high-end superstar potential or or not even potential because it's basically already been realized for a certain player that I will not name until I get to the third team. <laughs> I don't want to spoil everything ahead of time. Um, but yeah, I do have the Grizz number two. Um, like I said, you know, I would take Zion over Ja, but Ja is, you know, clear-cut second from the 2018 draft and had an amazing rookie season. Um, I thought he was going to be good in the league, but like I, I didn't expect him to kind of just already you know make his mark so early in the in his rookie season and i'm still a big fan of jaron jackson jr um he's been ironically he's been more disappointing on the defensive end and more um surprising on the offensive end given his shooting um but that's still you know he's still providing value um and i i do think that there's like a chance that that jaron jackson maybe i'd even bank on it is better than anyone on the pels besides zion like I, I could see his two-way potential that that much uh, in a couple of years. He still needs to work on not fouling. His rebounding has to improve. His consistency has to improve. He has to add a little bit more weight. But I, I see that potential for him. I'm still a big believer in Jaron, and I think that the pairing of Ja and Jaron fits really well. And then around them, I I really like what the Grizzlies have around them as as part of their other players in the core. Brandon Clark. I think you mentioned Lonzo being the swing piece for the Pelicans. I think yep. Clark is the swing piece for the for the Grizzlies. Um, he, he's, I, I mean, I feel like a lot of NBA Twitter has kind of realized his, you know, abilities and what he did this season. But I don't think, I think overall, I think people are still sleeping on him. And, you know, you pair him next to Jaron in the front court, that kind of versatility, enough shooting, enough defense, et cetera, is really exciting. Dylan Brooks. Had a nice year. Um, definitely took some steps forward as kind of a, as a you know offensive player. Um, they traded for Justice Winslow at the deadline, who did not play, has not played for them yet. Um, and obviously, there's a big injury risk with him, considering how many injuries he's had recently. But I do like him. Maybe not in the starting lineup because of the shooting concerns, but he could be like a kind of a six man. You know, he can do it all. He can handle. He can play make. He can score, et cetera. Good defensive versatility. And then De'Anthony Melton. I mean. I think D'Anthony Melton had a, had a really nice, quiet, kind of underrated season. Um, obviously, you know, he's really good defensively. The shooting is, is a question mark for him, and he's going to be a restricted free agent, so he might not be a part of the team in the future. But you add Clark, Brooks, Winslow, and Melton around Ja and Jaron, who fit really well together and have shown a lot in their first and second years, that, I mean, the fact that the team was already winning on the back of this young core, they were already in the playoffs and it was mostly because of this young core. So that's why I have them at number two, slightly above my team at number three. Okay, see, I think, honestly, th we're, we're too similar right now because <laughs> I, I kind of feel like if we have the number two the same, we're going to have the number three the same. And oh, wow. I'm swinging back and forth on this. I almost want to be different just for devil's advocate to spice things up. Because on the one hand, I'm just going to try talking myself in and out of this here. I have the Grizzlies second alongside another team that I might choose right now, so I'm not going to say it, because I like... It, it goes back to, I guess, a conversation that I'm, I'm pretty sure you listened to as well, 
on the Dunked On podcast um, between Nate and Danny over quantity over quality, right? Yeah. And right now you have with the Grizzlies two, you know, blue chip studs in John Morant and Jaron Jackson. Great. Brandon Clark being the swing piece and a stable of like good quality um, young guys who are solid rotation pieces, you know, alongside, like you said, um, uh, Justice Winslow. Um, and, and that's more than the Pelicans as far as the guys who fit into that rotation level play. And then at that point, you're really just looking at John Morant and Jaron Jackson. Now, the team I have next, I dislike that some of their players that made them, um, like, if they had, let's say if the trade deadline had come and gone and they hadn't made any moves, I would be a lot higher on them right now. However, it did, and they made moves. And so I was lower. But with this team here, I do think that, and you know what? I'm just going to go with it. Um, number two, I'm going to take the Nuggets. Um, wow. Yeah. Is, we're going to differ now. We're going to differ now. Okay. Because for me, I, I just look at these guys, and um, I, 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 the way I looked at it, I took each I, – I looked at the number one player, and then I looked at the players after. So I'm sure – I know I'm pretty sure I know you're number two, and that's solid. But then I'm looking at two guys who – are prospects to be as, you know, somewhere on the level. One, I'm not too high on personally in Jamal Murray, and one I'm very high on in Michael Porter Jr. And I think when you have someone who, I mean, could already be the baby one, the best passing big of all time. Like, I don't think it's super crazy to go that far. Um, he is already on the periphery of MVP candidates, at least the last couple of years, maybe distant, because obviously it's just been geared that way, but he's there. And then Jamal Murray's been... You know, again, I'm not the highest supporter of him. He's had dips efficiency, especially in the offensive end, but he still has high upside. Um, he, he better show a little bit more of that with the contract he has, in my opinion. But he, he's had moments of of star potential, at least in my opinion. And then Michael Porter Jr. is the one I'm really high on. Um, just in terms of the way he's been playing, lighting it up, I think I had um, got this from Leach Report on stats. His first 39 games, he shot what, 58% from the from 50% from the corner and the 86th percentile from three in general. He's a big who can also defend a little bit. He's kind of springy. Um, he's in the 98th percentile on block percentage, 100th in offensive and defensive rebounding. I mean, the dude, in my opinion, can be a star. Um, now, is it wilder to compare to your number two? I mean, we're going to have that discussion, I fear, very soon. But <laughs> I, I I like them. I feel if they, if they hadn't got rid of Malik Beasley, who I was always high on, um, uh, don't get me started on that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, wait till we get to the Timberwolves. No, if they had Malik Beasley, I would have them as number two, and I wouldn't even look twice. Um, as such, they kind of debated between two and three for me, um, and I'm I'm just I'm just gonna differ and put them there to spice it up. You know, I have to have one pick that I'll regret in two years, and this might be the one. So uh, we're gonna go with the Nuggets. Well, listen, I I, I hear all those cases. Um, the only thing I can respond with is I don't even have the Nuggets three. I have them at four. And at number three, I, I think you might be overlooking this. It's Luka Doncic. It's Luka okay. Doncic. It's just – it's Luka – obviously, Chris Porzingis and Jalen Brunson are the – they only have three players that are eligible, which is – this is a perfect thing because you just said, obviously, that Nate and Danny had that um, quality over quantity – Right. And yeah. I'm taking the quality with the Mavericks over the Nuggets. And you, you've got basically Luca, who is a future MVP. I mean, he's going to be in the top three this year at age 20. 
And by the way, Nikola Jokic finished fourth last year in MVP voting. So he, he's, you know, obviously was a distant fourth, but, you know, he's, he was already basically in the top five comfortably. Uh, probably wouldn't be this year, though, uh, even though there's an argument for it. Um, but Luca, top three in MVP voting this year, I assume, at age 20. I, I have no doubts predicting that he will be an MVP in the future. Then you've got Porzingis, who I think is a really good second banana. Obviously, you know, there's, there's injury risk there, um, and he has some flaws. Um, but I think, you know, and, and maybe a good question is, you know, considering I had the Grizzlies at two and the Mavericks at three, is Jaron Jackson or Porzingis moving forward? Like, you know, which player would you want? I, I think it's close. Um, and I think that because it's close, the rest of the Grizzlies core gets the advantage. Like Luca to me, is comfortably ahead of Ja. But the Grizzlies, the rest of what the Grizzlies have for their core can make up for that. And that's why I still have them at number two. Um, and listen, it, it's obviously shallow behind Luka and KP. Brunson is the only player that is eligible after them. And he projects to be like a backup, you know, a really good backup guard, you know, spot starter kind of player. But Luka and KP, I mean, it's a great fit together. It's pretty easy to build around them. And one of them is, is going to be a future MVP. Like that kind of talent is way too way too much for me to overlook, regardless of how shallow it is underneath, regardless of the Porzingis injury risk. It's just Luka Doncic, like my belief in him to be a top five-ish player, you know, in a couple years, maybe even by next year or maybe two years from now, when he'll still be like 21 or 22, it's like the Mavericks are at three for me. You know what? Okay, so I didn't put them at three for the reasons you had mentioned as far as like why I would probably not consider them at three. I think... The, the stable of talent, if I'm comparing Jackson alongside um, Porzingis at this point, yeah, I kind of lean more Jackson. Um, as far as the rest of the young core, it really isn't even a contest for me because I am looking at quantity up to this point. So I look at the Grizzlies, they have several players. I look at um, the Mavericks and I see Jalen Brunson. You know what I mean? Like after um, uh, Porzingis and Doncic. So like this team is a little bit more of a veteran team. Now, you're right, the superstar potential from Luka Doncic, I, I mean – what, only Oscar Robertson and Russell Westbrook have put together, like, better regular season numbers than Luka, who at 20 is, what, just under 30 points, under 10 rebounds, and just under 9 assists a game. Like, that's crazy. But for me, really I put the Nuggets there is that I know at – I can't speak, and, and maybe I'm, I'm overthinking this. I want to see how Luka does in the playoffs, okay? I feel like mm-hmm. one of those guys who's kind of finding any kind of excuse maybe to, to pick against them. That's not what this is. But I saw what the Nuggets could achieve. Um, and mind you, you know, they, it what they probably, I feel like they had a, a tough out against the Blazers, but like they at their, you know, they were in the top seats, just like the uh, Mavericks were this year, but we also saw them deliver someone in the playoffs for a very young team that had been there for the first time. You know what I mean? So I think for them, it was a mixture of quantity and I saw more, um, actual, I guess, production that surpassed the regular season. Now, more than likely, Luke was going to light up in the playoffs as well. But for now, I kind of went over a known quantity, and also I just felt like there was more there than the Mavericks. Now, it's weird that I slipped um, the Grizzlies. Oh, no, I, I, I can't disclose my teams. Um, <laughs> it's weird that I have the Mavericks and Grizzlies fighting for three and four with me going with the Nuggets at two. But I took into account different factors, and one was superstar potential from the top player, the second was the quantity, and the third was a relative success up to this point. And yeah, maybe the Nuggets have a little a little bit of an edge. They kind of got together younger, and they've had more years to kind of gel, even while remaining that young core that still qualifies. But, I mean, it is what it is. I didn't make the rules. You know, I, I mean, I guess we both did, but you know what I mean. <laughs> 
that that's real. This is really interesting to me because you have taken a complete reversal. I mean, you had the Nuggets sixth in 2018. You've got them all the way up at second. And in my opinion, I mean, you mentioned you're really high on Porter Jr. In uh, my opinion, I mean, and obviously Jokic has continued to develop, you know, into an actual MVP candidate. Whereas in 2018, he was still like, we we weren't sure how high he could go, and mm-hmm. he's shown that he can go really really high. Um, but really, you look at the other guys. You know, Murray. Jamal Murray had a better like Jamal Murray took steps forward this past season or, or technically this season if it's not actually over but that's kind of weird to say um, but <laughs> yeah. he, on if like if for people who didn't watch the Nuggets a lot obviously I watched every single game so I watched them a lot um, but for, for people who didn't and just looked at like his basketball reference page or you know some of his you know counting stats they they think he kind of plateaued and his counting stats were very similar three point percentage was down. But his defense was was vastly improved. His playmaking took steps forward. And I think, you know, in the majority of his advanced metrics, they all say that this was his best season of his career. It wasn't the step of development you want in his fourth season, which is a, another reason why I have him at four. Uh, but he did take smaller steps forward. But then you look at the other – back in 2018, the, the core when you talked about the Nuggets was Jokic, Murray, and Gary Harris – and oh, what has happened yeah. to Gary Harris over the past two years offensively, I think he's obviously – he's become better defensively. But offensively, what's happened to him has made me lower on the Nuggets' core overall. Um, you know, he, the shooting has kind of fallen off. The, uh, you know, the ability to attack – to willing the willingness uh, and ability to attack and finish around the rim has dipped. Um, settling for more floaters, some of the injury concerns – all those things. I know he's been really good defensively, but all those things are kind of you know concerning elements of his of his development. Um, True. So you look at Murray not taking a huge step forward. You look at Harris. Most people would say regressing, and and yet it's ironic that you have moved the Nuggets up. But obviously, we I haven't mentioned the players that have now joined their young core. Most notably, Michael Porter Jr. But obviously, I want to shout out Monte Morris, who counts. Um, and goal <laughs> counts age-wise, but we obviously, you know, we're not sure what's going to happen there. But, you know, uh-huh. I'm yeah. sorry, I have to interrupt you. I left out Morris on purpose. Um, there was a Lakers-Nuggets game this season where Morris called out the king. Uh, you can't do that. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I couldn't do it. But he's on my list. Like, I don't want you to think I forgot him. I left him out with reason. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good to know, good to know. That, that's fair, that's fair. Um, so, I, I think... I think the ranking of the Nuggets core probably depends on how you feel about Murray and MPJ. Um, you, you said you're lower on Murray, but you're really high on MPJ. I think if, if one of them becomes an all-star, this could totally be a top two or top three core because you, you have an all-NBA first-teamer in Jogic. You have a secondary all-star in Murray or Michael Porter, and then you've got solid depth. Um, but overall, I'm, I'm, I'm lower on both players um I, I'm, I'm lower on mpj definitely lower on mpj than you are um i think I, i've got a lot of concerns defensively i've got a lot of concerns the health concerns are the biggest ones um yeah and you know that's it's it's hard when you have such injury risks with players that you're trying to project forward while ranking these cores but they exist for him um and they exist for him probably more than anyone else on this entire list of players that are eligible um and, and that's scary. I mean, obviously, the offensive game is tantalizing. The size, the shooting, um, the rebounding was, was really good this season. Um, but there's got to be steps taken defensively. There's got to be a, a proven track record of, of staying moderately healthy for me to kind of really believe in this team and put them over Luka or the Grizzlies 
Um, you know, not the Pelicans. I think the Pelicans are kind of safe. But I do think, even though I'm lower on this and I'm rambling, but I do think that the combo of having Murray and Porter, even though I'm lower on them, the combo of having them with Harris, with Morris, and whatever becomes yes. a goal is really valuable, especially in the regular season. And that's where I'll get to the final point, like you already mentioned. They had really good depth. Basically, if we did these rankings in January, and maybe, you know, it's kind of projecting forward that Beasley and Hernan Gomez wouldn't be on the team anyways. But if we were doing these rankings, you know, at the start of this season, back in October, I would probably have the Nuggets up a spot, or maybe a spot or two, because we wouldn't have seen the Grizzlies play. But they traded Beasley, who, uh, listen, I'm... I'm really high on Malik Beasley. Um, I don't think he's going to be a great two-way player, but I think he's a dynamic scorer, elite three-point shooter, and is young. And he's got this kind of factor to him where he's not afraid to kind of take on players um, offensively. And Wancho's, you know, a solid depth piece. But you lose those two guys for for nothing that can that's actually part of the core because they traded them and basically got players that really either weren't really eligible or, or just don't really factor into the future. Um, and you lose that depth, and that's why. I have them at four up behind Luca. So, you know, it, it's just, it's interesting to me that you actually took, that you had them sixth in 2018, but you moved them up to second, even though you could argue that two of their main three pieces of their core have kind of stabilized or regressed in some cases. You know what? I mean, yeah, that, I, that's interesting. I mean, for me, I guess you, like, I knew they had, or I know they have, but I don't know. I'm just not as. I guess it just comes down to me thinking I don't even want to say less about the Nuggets because I mean not about the Nuggets about the Mavericks because I'm I'm high on Luca I just I don't know maybe I'm not as high on Przingis as I use as I was you know two years ago obviously injuries and everything and then although the Nuggets have regressed and you know moves like we mentioned with uh, Malik Beasley and such have weakened a little bit I just think. I'm higher on Michael Porter Jr. Even being aware of his defensive struggles, I don't necessarily enjoy Jamal Murray, but I still think he's a solid player, and I'm really high on Jokic. I think that the combination of those three, plus we already mentioned Morris and and Bol Bol, for me, equals up to where the Mavericks are right now with Luka. Even though he's great, great. I mean, I still look at the standings and everything. I'm like, okay, it's not almost like the strength of the... I mean, I don't know. I, I guess this is like an argument for how good is one individually over several pieces that are substandard. I'd probably take Luke over every player I've mentioned on the Nuggets, including Jokic. However, with the combination of them, and then you look back and you just have Porzingis on the side, I, I just lean toward... I just, I just lean toward the Nuggets. I, I, I mean, it's not even like in the sense they were separated that much, but you already know what you're going to get with them. I mean, yeah, they regressed a little bit as far as Murray and Harris, who just fell off the block. I haven't even mentioned him at all. Um, and it's just because he was one I was already I had put I remember I was talking about um two years ago and even me saying like, yeah, he'd have to be one of the top shooting guards, but I wasn't too like bowled over with him. But like he's definitely just his shooting's escaped him, he's definitely fallen off a little bit. But I, I don't know, like I keep keep trying to talk myself out of it, knowing like against most reason I probably should just because Luca's that good. But I just am high on the Nuggets core at this moment. Even though, like you said, I'm jumping them now after kind of the hype has um, fallen off. But maybe that's just my personality. Once people start hating on the team and not like <laughs> as much, that's when I pick them up and make them my own. Listen, that's, that's, that's a way to go about it. I mean, 
the, the what I the, you know the final thing we can you know move on to our, our next team. But uh, the final thing I'll say is that you know when I'm trying to compare two cores, and obviously the Nuggets have more of an actual core, and the the, the Mavericks have a trio basically. But I would take the Mavericks' top two players of their core versus the Nuggets' top two players. So I, I would take Luca over Nikola Jokic, and I would take Porzingis over Murray. And then mm. you know is the combination of MPJ. Harris, Morris, and, and Bowl. I don't know if we really should count Bowl, but you know, is the combination of that better than so much better than Brunson that it makes up for the difference between the top two? And for me, it doesn't. But Michael you know, Porter Jr. No, no, it doesn't. I mean, I, I think that Porter Jr. will be a good player. You know, he probably he might end up being an All Star, but. I'm I'm also tend to be a little bit risk averse when it comes to players with injury concerns, and obviously Bowl has them too. Um, I I just I, I think Luca and KP I, I would comfortably I would so comfortably take them over Jokic and Murray that MPJ would have to become like a five like a three a three time All Star or something for me to like rank the Nuggets ahead of them. And obviously we don't know that now, so I can't do that. It's not fair. <laughs> I just think that the top two of Dallas's core is. You know, Jokic and Doncic are close together. I think that's close. But I think that Jokic, I mean, Doncic plus Porzingis is like, you know, comfortably ahead of Jokic and Murray because of Murray not being a true second fiddle yet. And for me, I'm a little bit too low on, on the rest of the Nuggets guys to, to say that it overcomes the difference between the top two of each core. Um, and that's part of me, you know, being more risk averse. But listen... You're taking the quantity. You're taking a mix of quantity and quality. Where I am really banking on the quality of Luca and KP in this case. You know what? Yeah, I mean, I'm not again for the sake of looking back at this in a couple of years. Going, what was I thinking? I'm not going to change it. This won't be a Timberwolves situation from 2018. All right? you're, you're safe there. Both of these teams are good young cores that'll that'll be good for a while. You know. Thank you. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Thank the goodness <laughs> for that. But I'm going to keep it that way. Even though I get what you're talking about, it's going to be interesting to see how that works out. I mean, I don't know. I guess I, I didn't realize how much higher I was on Michael Porter Jr. over Przingis, who I, I've just kind of fallen off of, even though he had a, a good year this year. It's, this is not even a testament to Luke. I just don't know if Luke at this point, and this might bite me back, um, is going to overtake the collective uh, team of these guys right now, some of which are not as good as they were, but I don't know. That's interesting. I'm, I'm going to keep the Nuggets at number two and just uh, – cross my fingers and hope things work out like you said half decent in a couple years time that's that's a that's the way to go about it um all right so you have just to recap i've got pelicans at one grizzlies at two mavericks at three nuggets at four and what's your top four so i had uh pelicans grizzlies nuggets maps or no pelicans nuggets grizzlies maps no pelicans nuggets mavericks grizz wow so the grizz dropped to four wow yeah, yeah. Um, and again, I use the other logic in that I'd rather have Luca than either. And then, uh, as much as I like John Morant and uh, Jaron Jackson, I, I just Luca Lucas carried a team. I got you. All right, number five. Uh, I'm going east for this one. Boston Whoa. Celtics. Boston Celtics at number five for me. Um, and the kind of really el- eligible players that I really consider were Tatum. Jalen Brown and the two Williams, Robert and Grant. Um, but this is really about the dynamic wing duo of Tatum and Brown. Um, both players, I thought, took some really nice steps forward this year. I think both 
can be and probably will end up being perennial all-stars for years to come. And perhaps most importantly, that's happening at the wing positions, which is, I think, almost provides extra value because of, you know, the lack of quality replacement players at that position. I, you know, I view centers as, you know, centers is the most replaceable position. So if you're getting, you know, really great play at center, it has to be like, you know, dominant, like Jokic, Towns, et cetera. But, you know, when you get dynamic, dominant wing play from Tatum and Brown um, at that, at those wing positions, I think it almost provides extra value. And similar to the Mavericks, there's not a ton behind them to get super excited about. But I do think, like I said, both Williams, I think, have shown flashes at least. And I think that both, you know, I would probably count on both being somewhat quality contributors or, or depth pieces. But for me, it's like getting that dynamic wing play from Tatum and Brown to me is so important and valuable in today's modern NBA that I, I have the Celtics at five. Okay, that's solid. I'm 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 a I'm a go and surprise you. I'm gonna take the Minnesota Timberwolves. No, I'm just kidding. I'm oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say. <laughs> oh man, I know. I had to get you one time. I had to get you one time. No, no, no. Okay, so this. Mm, Are you this, deferring from the Celtics? I I'm 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 deferring from the Celtics. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. As much as Jason Tatum just balled out, you made a great point. Jalen Brown's been great this year. I'm okay. So it's a team in the East. All right, spit it out. Spit it out. Ugh, I just don't. I I just think they have more young. Again, this is the. I'm going with Atlanta Hawks. Interesting. I I ha, okay. Yeah, I I kind of knew you were going that way once you said it was in the East. Yeah. Um, it, it's hard, man, because. The Celtics have produced, I mean, the players, I just feel like you have, okay. So if I had to choose between Trey Young and Jason Tim, I'm taking Jason Tim, not thinking twice. If I have to choose between Jalen Brown and John Collins, I guess I'm taking Jalen Brown. I guess it's not that hard either. But then, Kevin Herter, DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish. I mean, I, I, I mean, then you have like Robert Williams, Grant, you know, Grant, you know, um, Carson Edwards, Taco for all those guys. I just, I like the Hawks. I just think Kevin Hurt is impressed. He has what hit almost forty percent of his threes on almost six attempts a game. He's a great compliment to Young. Young obviously has superstar potential, even if defensively he's horrendous. Um, I think his pairing with Collins. I hear a little bit of Carl Malone and John Stockton, but I just think that the upside there, and we have to put. I mean, no, he's twenty five, so I guess Clint Capella still counts. Um, although he will be 26 in a minute. But anyway, if I'm putting them as well, I just think you have a, a solid group. And then, you know, DeAndre Hunter didn't have a great year. Um, but, you know, he's being developed as a 3 and D type of guy. Um, Cam Reddish had a horrible year, but I mean, I mean, at least up to this point. But he was getting better. And I mean, this is rookie year, you know. So I guess I'm looking more at the potential of these guys over a guy that's, that stood out in Jason Tatum and another guy who's had a great solid season in Jalen Brown. But afterwards, I kind of feel like it's a crapshoot. I'm not as high on those guys as you um, argued. And I just feel with the Hawks, you kind of have more of a sure thing coming. And a couple pieces that in Hunter and Reddish, if they do come through, hey, so much the better. But even with um, young Collins, Herter, and, and Capella, I, I kind of like that. So... I, I like the Hawks young core. I, I really believe in Trey is going to be one of the off, best offensive engines in the league in due time, maybe another year or two. Uh, Collins, I like. I think he's sometimes gets a little overrated based on his 
really impressive counting numbers, um, the points, rebounds per game, et cetera. But I do, like you said, I, I like his fit with Trey. Um, unfortunately, I'm kind of disappointed that they traded for Capella and Deadman because I don't think we're going to get a lot of Collins at center in the future, at least for the foreseeable future, which I kind of wanted to see more of. But that's, you know, that doesn't really count for ranking the young core. Um, I do like uh, Kevin Herter as a depth piece. I think he's going to be a solid starter. And, you know, Reddish, like you said, had a for, for the majority of the year was a disaster. But I looked it up because I was interested in the second half of the season, basically post All-Star break. He averaged 16.4 points per game, and his shooting splits were 50% from the field, 39% from three, and 85% from the line. So I'm not saying he's going to do that next year for sure, but he, he clearly was showing at, in the second half of the season that he can hang, especially offensively. But I thought his defense was actually kind of underrated um, for the Hawks, you know, for the for the majority of the season. So I, I kind of like him on both ends. And then, like you said, Hunter – you know, it wasn't like a big wow factor kind of season you'd expect, especially after they traded up for him with all those assets, which I didn't like. But his skill set is what you would theoretically look for in a wing. So, you know, I get I get that. I get why they drafted him. I get his fit on the team. And, you know, I, I like the young core. Interestingly enough, though, and I'm, I'm regretting this. I'm, I don't know if I'm fully regretting it. I'm double. I'm, I'm second guessing it. I don't even have the Hawks at six. I have them at seven. Wow. Wow. I have them below another Eastern Conference team at six. I mean, okay. Whoa, another? Okay, let me guess. 76ers. Indeed. It is still the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, I, 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 listen, I know Embiid no longer qualifies. <laughs> but yeah, I was going <laughs> to. Listen, believe me, if, if Embiid qualified, they'd, the Sixers would be uh, above six. But um, I, th- I still think it's a pretty good group. I mean, I'm still I still like Ben Simmons. I think he gets a lot. Ben Simmons is one of the most polarizing players, I think, you know, in the NBA, especially on NBA Twitter. Um, but he's an all star, a, a comfortable all star. He's arguably an all NBA player already. I get that there's fit issues building around him can be tough or maybe not theoretically. I, theoretically, if you just put a bunch of shooters and switchable defenders around him, it'd be perfect. But anyways, the fit currently is an issue. Um, but I still think he had arguably his, his best season in the league in his third year. I mean, he's, he's become a really good defensive player. Um, he's kind of sharpened a couple. Obviously, the shooting has not come around, but he's got sharpened a couple of things offensively. I just I'm a big I'm still a believer in Ben Simmons. Um, you know, Matisse Thybul, I think, is going to be one of the best defenders in the entire league in due time. The offense is more questionable, but as long as he can knock down catch and shoot three pointers and make effective cuts. That's kind of what you need to do when you're providing that level of defense. And then behind them, you know, you've got a mix of guys like Zaire Smith, uh, Quirk Maz, and Shake Milton, who I think all could be quality depth pieces. I think Milton showed a decent amount of stuff towards the end of the season before the suspension. Quirk Maz has shown a couple of things. Like he's going to be a, a, a free agent, so he might not be part of the team, which is kind of hard to project. Um, and Smith hasn't shown that much, but, you know, I could still see him being a quality depth piece. So, it's, it's basically my belief in Simmons, my trust in, in, in Matisse Thybul being one of the best defenders in the league, and then three pretty good depth pieces. And because I've already seen it enough with Simmons, I'm still ranking the 76ers above the Hawks for now. I, mean, uh, I, I agree. Again, you always do a good job like, putting the argument together. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it's true, like, Simmons is a polarizing player. I might be a little more down than you are. Uh, also, Shake Milton had one great game against the Clippers this season. Yes. <laughs> and he, he was playing. I mean, that game was amazing. 
well before that too. Um, in in the recent stretch, um, Tybal, I, I would hope a little more than you know just being an impact level defender. But right now, I mean, he he's another solid piece for sure. Um, I guess collectively, I just don't see aside from Simmons anyone stepping up. I mean, Zaire Smith, uh, Corkmock still, I guess counts technically. I, I don't see any of them um projecting a star towards the Hawks. In the right situation, in the right scheme, I could see, you know, Young Collins, maybe a Hunter, not Hunter, maybe a Reddish. Those guys kind of at their fullest potential. I'm higher on them than I am on the 76ers outside of Simmons. And Simmons, while having star potential, like you said, polarizing to say the least. I'm just not as uh, a fan as I guess I should be or, or thought I was. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's a solid group, and they have some young guys that are that are, that are are just really effective. So I actually have them looking on my list on number seven. Uh, because I had the Hawks five, and then I had the Celtics six. So I, I mean, I'm basically echoing a lot of what you had said for the Celtics. Jason Tatum just had a, himself a season. Um, Jalen Brown stepped up. I like the pieces on um, the Celtics a little less than the Hawks, but a little more than the 76ers just collectively. And that's why you know my five, six, and seven are Hawks, Celtics, and 76ers. But um, I think now we get to a more interesting last three spots here with our eight through ten. Um, with I, I'm really excited where you place a certain team of uh, uh, in my mind, um, and then also just my own. Um, I guess I, you know I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you go with number eight. Uh, I'm hoping that you consider the Kyle Kuzma and uh, Taylor Horton Tucker. But um, <laughs> if you didn't, you know I'm not gonna hold it against you. But um, what's your what's your number eight team, Eric? So eight, 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 and nine for me were like you know what, like flip a coin. Like I don't care who you have eight or Same. nine. I've got these two teams. It's the Timberwolves who I technically vote down at eight. And the Suns I had at nine, but again, just whatever. The, I could wake up one day and be like, you know what? I, 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 it's the Suns this day, it's the Timberwolves the next day. You know, that's that's how much these teams basically flip flop for me. Um, I, I think obviously the Timberwolves young core. You know, obviously that it's it's funny because you know they're still making the top ten, but you know back in 2018 we all we each had them in the top six. You had them at number three. I don't want to have to. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to bring it up one more time. Oh um, my gosh, yep. <laughs> but there's no, we don't have to talk about Wiggins because he's not on the team anymore. Um, so, but they, but obviously their young core changed drastically this season at the trade deadline. Um, we you already had Towns, all NBA caliber center, dominant player, defensive concerns, but they're not, you know, terrible. Um, of course, now they're, they're going to be exasperated because of what they put around him, but that's a whole other thing. Um, but then, obviously, the moves that they made, well, I guess we should start last draft with uh, drafting Jared Culver. Uh, pretty bad rookie season. Um, n- I'm not a big fan on Culver. Um, I, I wasn't really when he entered the league, and the rookie season didn't really help out there. Um, but the main pieces, uh, the main new piece is D'Angelo Russell. Um, obviously, capable offensive guard. I think with Towns is going to be a pretty dynamic offensive combination. Um, but you know, my, my big concerns come on the defensive end and just the ceiling of the team with those two guys leading the way on their big contracts. You know, I think, I think offensively given the core that they have, and I haven't even mentioned, like we said, Malik Beasley, we were both really high on Malik Beasley. What he did, you know, obviously very, very limited sample, but what he did post trade deadline before the suspension was average 20 points a game on elite volume and percentages from beyond the arc showed a little bit more comfort attacking the basket, a little bit more comfort, comfort handling the ball. The next thing for him 
it, well, two things is one kind of stabilizing and being that consistent kind of third score for them. And the second, you know, big thing is improving defensively. Um, Cause there's going to be a last, a, a lot asked upon him if he's going to be playing alongside a guy like Russell. Um, Josh Okoji, uh, um, you know, had a solid ish kind of season. Just, you know, he's like Culver where I don't get too excited about him. Uh, and Juancho Hernan Gomez, who they traded for. I think all those guys, Culver, um, Josh Okoji and and Wancho are, are basically quality depth that that fits that mostly fits alongside Russell and Towns, um, but I, I just don't get too excited about any of those guys. So you know when I look at the Timberwolves, I look at a team that could easily be a top ten offense next year, basically on the backs of this young core: Russell, Beasley, Hernan Gomez, and Towns, especially when we're talking about the offensive end. Obviously, Beasley and Hernan Gomez are restricted free agents, but everything sounds like they want to bring them back. So I'm counting on them being back. But the ceiling and the defensive concerns for me are why I continue to flip-flop with them and the Suns. Um, but I do have them here. Uh, yeah, I, that's the same thing. I laughed when you first brought it up because I have the Suns 8 and the Timberwolves 9. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was funny because you're right. It's flip a coin, see where they are. Um, the Timberwolves, you're right. For me, it was, it's Cronthane Towns, DeAndre Russell, and Malik Beasley. That's the core. I mean, they all have their weaknesses. Um, there's also some strengths that I'm pretty high on, but I've definitely tried to be a little more reasonable with the Timberwolves after they broke my heart in 2018. <laughs> so, um, you know, I try to have them in place with the Suns, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I I put them up just because, obviously, Devin Booker, I mean, all-star this year. Um, what He was one of the few players to um, average 27.6 assists, four rebounds a game. Um, but he was also, for most, uh, most of the season, the 96th percentile in points per attempt, 92nd percentile at the rim, and 91st in mid-range. And joined Steph Curry and Larry Bird as the only players to meet those averages while shooting 50% from the field and 90% from the free throw line. This was earlier in the season, but he just had a just strong year. Um, and while DeAndre Aydens had an up-and-down season, you know, the 25-game suspension didn't help, um, he was averaging a, a solid double-double. Um, his efficiency had dipped a little bit, but he's still a guy who, you know, has... Ha- you you root for a strong, I guess, third season or the remainder of this season. And mind you, if if you know a little less than stellar um, decisions as far as like what you put in your body don't impact his season, I think he has a much better uh, sophomore year. Um, Cameron Johnson kind of seems like he has a, a, a low ceiling, but a high floor. And I like Mikel Bridges as this just multi-positional defender who. Um, is getting a little better in shooting, and, and, and it's pretty solid as far as usage and points per shot attempt, so I like him. Kelly Oubre still fits and had a solid <laughs> year um, and really was a, a pretty reliable second option at times during the season um, with DeAndre Aiden being out as a support piece to Devin Booker. Um, just all through the year, I'd actually written a piece about just how many times he led them in scoring and rebounding consistently. And then you have other guys like Ty Jerome, Javon Carter, who Ty Jerome didn't have a great year at all. Javon Carter was up and down, but those guys are still young enough and count. And again, it's it's not like the, it's not like I'm looking at the Suns past, let's say let's say Booker, A and Bridges and Ubre. Those four, boom. And then after that, I mean, you just put whoever fits in. Uh, although Cameron Johnson is a heck of a shooter, man. But aside from that, you know, he doesn't offer much else. And it is kind of a yeah, wake up one day. You know what? Devin Booker's been in the role. Suns are up. Eh, don't know. DeAndre Russell is shooting really well. Here we go. And then, uh, you know, uh, DeAndre Aid raised up his double-double. It's, it's one of those. Until you get more players on each side stand out enough. DeAndre Russell's been through a few teams now that we kind of know who he is as a player and hopefully is another level to climb, but I don't see it. Carnthay Towns' defensive struggles are, are going to be there. 
Um, Devin Booker has a lot to improve on that end. And I just think we need more intel on DeAndre Ayton and Mikel Bridges as well. So it's kind of up in the air, but I think you're right. Whichever way you go, the Suns and Timberwolves seem to be squirrely in that 8-9 category. Yeah, I agree. Um, You know, I'm I'm pretty much going to echo everything you said. You know, it's basically, yeah, Booker, Ayton, Bridges, and Uber are are the main pieces. I'm not really sure what to make of Cam Johnson, Ty Jerome, Javon Carter, etc. I think Carter has shown some stuff to be like a nice defensive backup kind of guard. Um, but and, and Johnson's a good shooter. But you know, obviously, I'm not like, oh my god, these guys are so good. I have to rank them higher. But Booker and Aiton obviously headline the group. Um, I think you know uh, someone's ranking of the Suns. Obviously, we're basically in agreement. Uh, but anyway, in general, I think someone's ranking on the Suns probably depends on how much you believe in Aiton. Because Booker, like you said, had a really strong year. He's continued to make a lot of nice strides, especially offensively. Mm-hmm. It's funny how, like, I think Booker almost used to be one of the more overrated players, like, two to three years ago with his stats on, like, a losing team. And now he's, like, I think this se- this season became a little bit underrated um, just because of his incredible percentages, his ability to kind of play, um, diversify his game with, with Rubio coming in, um, you know, things like that. You know, obviously defense has to improve. It's it's interesting because like Booker and Aiton is is almost is a similar obviously they're different players in both of them but the ceiling of a Booker plus Aiton led group is kind of probably really similar to a ceiling of a Russell and Towns led group. Um, Towns versus Booker as as the number one options on those teams is is an interesting one. I I I'd probably take Towns. Um, Aiton versus Russell is kind of an interesting thing too. So these these teams are so like linked together because they've got these two pieces. One's a guard and one's a big. And then they've got some wing players that are filling around them. And I think Oubre and Bridges are, are quality wings. And like I said, when I ranked the Celtics at five, that's a big position to fill in the, in the modern NBA is having quality wing play. And the Suns have that in Oubre and Bridges for now. Um, True. But it, it's funny how these two cores are so similar to each other. With they're led by a, a duo that has a good guard and a good big, and then they've got some kind of you know solid wings around them, and then some questionable pieces, questionable pieces as you go farther down the core. But uh, yeah, I basically echo what you said. Timberwolves and Suns are eight and nine in some order. It doesn't really matter. And I, like I said when we first started this, you know, the ordering for me after like five got pretty murky, you know, fast. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, it's once you have such a solid star, it's just I don't know, it, it kind of falls off real quick. You're right, and and what's funny is the interesting parallels that you drew between the Suns and Timberwolves because you're right, you have a, a pretty solid or at least an offensive engine at guard, and then a big man with some potential who struggles on one end of the floor, or the other or isn't as promising as you would like, but can still improve. Yeah, I, that's yeah, I can't I can't argue that. Um, but what I will do is go to our, my number 10 spot um, and just break down the young core there. And for me, that is the Miami Heat. All right. We are in agreement here, actually. Okay, good. Well, then I guess we can both have a discussion on that. I think clearly Bam Adebayo is just that guy. He had mm-hmm. such a strong year um, just in all facets of the game, scoring, rebounding, uh, playmaking. And then obviously – you have guys like Tyler Hero, Kendrick Nunn, Duncan Robinson still fits that. Derek Donjus Jr. had himself a year. Um, these guys, I mean, they they they've been solid, you know. And what's funny, I mean, and, and and weird is that the Heat have got these guys, you know, the fourteen selection. You know, they got one of the NBA's best three point shooters in the league right now without a pick. You know, having uh, Tyler Hero at number thirteen, Kendrick Nunn undrafted. Like these guys that have been difference makers for the Heat that are so young. We're, weren't even lottery picks for the most part, you know what I mean, or just outside of that. So it's been 
pretty solid. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, pretty much echoing everything you said, Bam obviously carries this core, and he's going to be so, so good. I mean, he already is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, but all the guys you mentioned, Hero, Nunn, Robinson, Jones Jr., who's you know, a, a pending free agent, that's a nice supporting cast, you know, plenty of depth. I think Bam could be better than anyone on the Suns, like, in due time. Like, I think he could be better than Booker. Um, so, you know, honestly, I could you could move the Heat up to nine, and I wouldn't go crazy arguing against it because I'm that's how much I love Bam and his the perfect big I think for the modern NBA. Maybe if he had a, a touch more shooting, it'd be even better. But you know, I think he's going to be perfect on on both ends of the floor for what the Heat want to do. But the funny thing with the Heat at ten is that honestly, like, you could probably replace the Heat with maybe the and this is interesting because Giannis still counts. Like, we should address that because Giannis doesn't turn 26 until December of this year. So like, you know, that is one thing, like, what do you do with that? The Bucks core is basically Giannis and Dante DiVincenzo, you know, with the fact that Giannis could leave soon, he's only counts for another, what, six months ish. Like, what do you do with that? Do you, just because it's Giannis and he still counts on the list, do you just automatically have them, you know, at 10 and replace the heat with them. Do you have them higher maybe? Cause Giannis is the MVP two time MVP. Like, I don't know what to do with that, but I, I kind of went with like, eh, it's kind of like, it's not cheating. It's just kind of like, it just doesn't feel, it feels weird to just put the bucks there. Cause of Giannis's final six months of eligibility when he could leave, you know, in 2021, if they don't, you know, win a championship soon. But um, yes, I, I do have the heat at 10. And then basically what I did after that is I just listed a bunch of teams that have young players with like maybe a, a bullet point or two about their core. Um, but I do have the heat at 10. Okay. I mean, do you want to kind of just run through those teams? Cause I feel like we're going to nail a few of them just, and just have conversations or where we may, because yeah, I mean, I don't know if I put Bam above. I mean, I'm, I'm still, I'm, I'm still sort of emotionally tied to Timberwolves. So that's not <laughs> going to happen. And I like Devin Book and DeAndre Aiden, but you're right. Bam has been really solid. And I mean, there's not even much more to say about it other than what you kind of covered and what was there about the Heat. They just have really solid group of young guys. I wouldn't put them anywhere in the upper echelon, but collectively good, although with Bam, you have the potential of someone just breaking through and really making their mark as one of the right, you know, he's already a rising star, but just in general. Yeah, I, the Heat are, you know, the Heat are the Heat. They're going to, you know, they're going to yep. fly under the radar, but, you know, they they still, I'll, I'll keep them at 10 for now. Also hard. <laughs> um, All right, same thing. So let's kind of just run through those teams. Yeah, so I mentioned the Bucks. This is in no order. Like, I'm not ranking these. I just had, Same. like, these are literally just other. I basically looked at the standings. was like, oh, this team has young players. Let me write, a, let me write them down. Um, <laughs> so, you know, the Kings are there. I'm really, I'm still really big on and Fox. Um, but I'm not big on Bagley. And that kind of ruins their potential for being in the top 10. Um, and Harry Giles, I like his game. Uh, I think he's going to be a quality depth piece, um, spot starter. But, you know, the Kings also declined his option and he's going to be a free agent um, this <laughs> summer. So, like, that's kind of hard to project him being part of the core. But if I wasn't so low on Bagley, the Kings would probably be in my top 10 because that's how much I like Deere and Fox. Um, but, you know, they drafted Bagley over Luka Doncic. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> I know that's going to bite them. Kings are going to Kings. But jeez, oh, yeah, that one was that one was so egregious. It was like it, it, it beyond me. But anyways, um, the Bulls. Um, listen, Zach Levine counts. Uh, Kobe White, Laurie Marketing, Wendell Carter. It's a solid core, but you just don't see too much high end potential. I think. Right away, you have to say that Markkanen has disappointed. Whether it's, it's a combination yeah. of injuries, 
coaching, just lack of development. It's been a disappointment. Um, Levine has taken steps forward, but I, I just I can't trust him to even be like a Devin Booker or like uh, well probably like a Devin Booker would be a nice comparison. Um, he just doesn't. He, he puts up numbers, but I'm just not sure he could be a real driving engine of your offense if it's going to be a good offense, um, obviously, which is what the goal is. Um, Kobe <laughs> White, you know, Kobe White had a really good end, to, or not end, but, you know, before the suspension. Um, but, you know, I, I just don't see the super high-end potential to, you know, be like, oh, my God, Kobe White's part of their core. We've got to put them in the top 10 kind of thing. And I like Wendell Carter a lot, like – you know, he, he, he projects to be good on both ends of the floor. But again, it's like I think it might be a coaching thing where his offensive game has kind of regressed, whereas he showed all these skill sets in the draft process and early on where you thought that this guy could be, you know, initiating, playmaking from the elbows, you know, spreading the floor a little bit and leads to getting some more mid-range jumpers. And now he catches the ball at the elbow and doesn't even – you know, he's obviously he has his back to the rim. He's like, <laughs> I think it's like kind of a coaching thing, maybe for him and Markkinen. So that is a solid core. Um, but I just think the lack of some of the regression and some of the lack of high end potential has them just as an honorable mention for me. Um, feel free to interrupt me at any point if you have any oh, other okay. pressing thoughts about these teams, by the way. <laughs> for sure. I mean, you mentioned a few that I mean, I don't have any like additional thoughts as was just being solid pieces here and there. Um Kings for sure are one that I looked at. Larry Markinen fell so hard for me this season. I'm not sure if it was just obviously injuries that kind of helped riddle that, but he's one. Um, what do you feel about Charlotte? That's a team I'm, I'm intrigued by um, just in general. Yeah, Charlotte, Charlotte's an interesting one because I think I think they're definitely in the Bulls case where they to me they just lack the high-end potential from their guys to really be like, oh my God, like, See, they've got a couple of guys, Bridges, Washington, uh, Graham. I think Rozier still counts technically. Um, yeah, almost, yep. He'll be – I mean, I think he gets out soon. I have to check his age there. But uh, he's, he's he's there for the moment. Uh, Malik Monk is technically there, but, you know, he's obviously had a rough uh, – Oh, no, he's 26. He doesn't count anymore. Ah, uh, okay. March. So it's Graham, Washington, Bridges, um, you know, Malik uh, Monk. Like, to yeah. me – to me, the lack of high-end potential is probably what limits them into just being in the honorable mentions category. Like I like their, I like, I thought PJ Washington was was you know pretty good this year, um, fun to watch. Bridges, you know, he he projects to be a solid wing, I think, for the future. Uh, and Washington could project to be a solid kind of four for the future. But and Graham, you know, obviously had a really nice year, you know, arguably most improved uh, consideration. But you know. It's kind of like the Bulls where it's like, you know, it's a, it's a solid young core, but like for a team that's, you know, rebuilding, they don't really have a guy that they're like, oh my God, this guy can carry us to our next good Hornets team. You know, I think that they've got nice yeah. support pieces, basically. I agree. I mean, it, it's a team, yeah, it's a team of, 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 of potentially solid rotation players. Yes. And that's what you're looking at. You're right. There's not one person there that stood out and hence you had the record that you did an overachieving Hornets team that, Aside from that, didn't really bring too much else to the table. So, no, I, I'm totally with you on that one. Um, but for me, um, let me see. I'm trying to think of another team that I thought we – we. Uh, okay. If you were leaning between Orlando or Indiana, where would you go? Um, in Orlando, if you're looking at, you know, Markel, Foles, Jonathan Isaac, Mo Bamba, um, and then, you know, if you were going more Indiana, I'm looking – you probably still have um, – the Sabonis still counts. Yeah. 
Let me see real quick. I'm just trying to make sure because I, I put these teams here for pieces here and there that I thought would work. But you have um, Sabonis. Bonus does count, yeah. Yep. Sabonis, Aaron Holiday, uh, TJ Warren, I think, is aged out. He has um, 26 there. But um, just off those two, and then if you want to go down the line, um, McCollum is out too. Miles Turner still counts too, yeah. So it's, it's weird. I mean, they have an older team, but those guys right there, um, even with just – I mentioned those three for um, Orlando, between Sabonis, Turner, Aaron Holiday. What, what, are, what are you thinking with those guys? That's tough. Orlando versus Indiana is tough because I don't like a lot of Orlando. Like, I'm pretty low on Bamba. Fultz, you know, it was nice to see him, you know, have a, have a solid season. But I, I just – I have concerns about the limitations of him not being able to really shoot um, at, the, at the guard position, at the point guard spot. But I'm, I'm so high on Isaac – as, a, as especially on the defensive end, but I think offensively he's made strides. You know, the injury this year is kind of a real setback for him because he was really starting to kind of take his own. And I think I'd probably take I take Isaac. I think if you ask me which player would you take among the two teams, I would probably take Isaac first in terms of his potential to be a real game changer <laughs> defensively and a yeah. solid player offensively. But then it's like if you once you get past Isaac, would I rather have? Sabonis, Turner, Aaron Holiday, or would I rather have Bamba, Fultz, Bamba and Fultz, basically? Yeah. Um, it does Aaron Gordon still count? Because that's kind of a big deal, I think. Yeah, I Aaron Gordon's still, like, he's still Aaron 25. Gordon's still, oh my God, he's only 24 years old. That's, oh, 24. See, that's my, what I mean. Like, this oh, is, my God. Dude, dude. Right, well, in that case, I'm probably taking Orlando, just because okay. I, I already said I'm, I'd rather take Isaac as the best player of those two teams. And, you know, Fultz, Gordon... Bamba, you know, it's, it's close. Like, I'd rather have Sabonis and Turner and Holiday than those three, but I'd rather have Isaac than anyone on the Pacers. So I'll, I'll guess I'll go Orlando. On the low, though, Gordon, I mean, at least up to this point in the season, Gordon's been regressing. I mean, all right, look at it. Uh, it just on points per game, we're looking at five, you know, when he first come out, the nine, 12 a game, 17, 16, 14 this year. Like, it's been weird for him. I don't really know what to make of it. It's a... Uh, his two-point uh, field goal percentage has dropped. Um, obviously, his three-point percentage has been all over the place, uh, usually hovering under low, uh, mid to low 30s. But his rebounding has been the one thing that's more or less sustained, as well as his assists per game, which is actually pretty good for him, 3.7. But in general, he's been a hard one to kind of evaluate. But one thing I can say that we can probably agree on is that he's kind of underperformed. Yeah, he. Yeah, it's yeah. It's just I think what happened is that he he broke out into the scene early with the dunking, and everyone looks at him and is like, "Oh my god, this guy could be a monster on both ends." And you know, obviously, some of his years were stunted by them wanting to play him at the small forward spot, and then you know, it's just kind of been a lack of development. Whether it's been you know, coaching has not been good for the development, or maybe just himself not wanting to work on the skills that would really unlock him as a player. You know, I've heard other people talk about him. Like this guy could be like a, a Draymond, like a, a dream, a poor man's Draymond green on the defensive end, like with his, you know, athleticism, his size, versatility, but you don't, you just don't get that from him when, when his body would suggest that you could get that from him. And offensively, you haven't seen the true development of the skill, you know, the skill points of the game, like three point shooting, um, you know, ball handling, the playmaking has been good. The dunking is almost, you know, it's, it, ha- it wasn't as exciting this year. I think that, he, you know, maybe he's one of those guys where by 27, 28, almost like a Blake Griffin, where mm-hmm. the dunking kind of stops. And then maybe like Blake did, like really late, 28 years old, 29, then he starts developing that three. 
and the playmaking and kind of transitions into another phase of his career. But yeah, he's been under, he's been kind of disappointing. Um, but you know, I, I think I'd still probably take the magic despite that over the Pacers. I feel you. I guess one of those things was a quantity over quality type thing. Yeah. And you know, the Pacers have obviously been better this year, but they also have um, older players helping them. Brogdon, Warren, like you mentioned, um, Oladipo for a little bit, Jeremy Lamb, um, Justin Holiday. Like they have, they have more better veterans, I think, or more balanced veteran team to help them be better than the Magic right now. But that that one's a tough one. I mean, they're obviously part of this list of other honorable mentions. I mean, what's funny is that. You could make you could probably include almost every team in the league in this honorable <laughs> mentions list, except like the Rockets, who have like literally no. I mean, they have like no young talent to even talk about. Um, yeah, but, that's true. But almost every team, like think, I, I could still name some other teams, like the Cavs, right? Like Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, Kevin Porter, uh, Chetty Osman still counts. Yeah. To me, it's kind of like the Bulls core. Where it's like there's there's good players, but like not much high end potential. Like Sexton's become a good scorer, but the playmaking has not been good for a lead guard. Garland had a had a pretty rough rookie season, though I do like his skill set. Um, Kevin Porter, I think, is kind of the sleeper of this of this Cavs core. I agree. He could be the he could end up being the best player of the core, and I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but again, I, I just don't see the high end potential, um, which kind of limits them. Um, rambling on, the Spurs are another team. Um, oh. Yeah. Oh, no, I have to interrupt. I mean, you, you kind of bypassed the Rockets, and I have to kind of fault myself for doing that as well. But let's not sleep on Isaiah Hartenstein or Chris Clemens, <laughs> all right? Uh, Hartenstein's 21, Clemens 22. They had their moments. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those two are the, the only players literally mentioning on that roster. Honestly, oh, they, have, they have Bruno Caboclo. So I was like... going to say, you take those three, and that is literally the only players on their roster that qualify with guys like Gary Clark and Daniel House probably just getting out of it. Well, House is 26, so he's yeah. been out for a minute now. But that is literally it. You're, you're, you're right. Like, you have the majority 27 and up before you yeah. have anyone over under 24. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, in their, in their division, the Spurs, DeJounte Murray, Derek White, Lonnie Walker, Jakob Pertl, uh, who's a pending restricted free agent. So maybe he'll come back. Um, again, I think that – I think what we can kind of see as the overarching theme, at least for me when I talk about these teams in the honorable mentions, is the lack of the high-end potential. You know, everyone in the top 10, I think, that we ranked – Every, every team in the top 10 had one guy that's like, okay, this guy, you know, has that high end potential. Yeah. The teams at the bottom, Bam, uh, Booker, Towns, you know, Trey Young, Simmons, Tatum, you know, all those teams had one person. And, and for almost all of these honorable mention teams, they don't have a single person that you look at that and be like, oh my God, this guy could be at the level as, at some of those guys I just mentioned. So the Spurs are in that category for me. Um, the Knicks are, are another one like that where, you know, R.J. Barrett, uh, Mitchell Robinson, Frank Nielakina, Kevin Knox, like that's kind of the core what I considered. Te- technically, <laughs> technically, Julius Randle, Bobby Portis, and Dennis Smith Jr. qualify, but I just don't even think they're really going to be part of the core, so I didn't even bother listing them. Um, mm-hmm. Robinson, you know, really good kind of modern rim-running center who defends the rim. I'm not really sure what to think of R.J. Barrett yet. Um, Kevin Knox, I'm basically completely out on, um, but you never know. He could be a service or backup, you know, for the future. And, and Neil Akeen is kind of a, probably the swing factor for them. Obviously they're going to add some young talent in the upcoming draft, but, um, I think Neil Akeen could be a good depth piece as like a three and D guard. But again, 
you know, unless people, unless someone's really high on RJ, I just, I, again, I, I, I struggle to see that high end potential from any of their guys. I, I kind of agree. It's, it's weird. Um, and, and in general, I think two teams that you mentioned, I thought was interesting. One, you talked about the Cavs a little earlier. We, I agree. Um, especially with Porter Jr. And they remain to, to be seen with that bad. Uh, uh, couldn't talk for a second there. <laughs> it remains to be seen what comes out of that backcourt. There we are, Corbin. All right. Also, um, the Spurs too are a team that's intriguing with their talent. Um, just all over the board. But to kind of close where you were, yeah. I mean that. La- I mean, it's interesting. The Knicks are, are a weird team. Barrett did not have a solid season, and I don't know what to make of their of their young talent. I tend to be um, more on the pessimistic side than positive of the best case scenario for any of them. I guess the only one who I would really give strong consideration to. Um, would be um, would be um, RJ, and even he didn't have a great year shooting or as a distributor. Just in general, it was very. Uh, it was interesting. Yeah, I, I I'm pretty low on like I agree with you there. Um, and two other teams, you know, mentioning the Raptors. Obviously, Siakam graduated out. So did Van Vliet. Um, they're down to Terrence Davis and OG Ananobi, which is like you know good good wing play, which I yeah, you know, okay. I I. I, I Rated the Celtics high because of the wing play, and I think OG is, you know, good. Um, Davis, I think, is going to be is one of the best value contracts and great finds that they had last summer. Um, but again, you know, just not high end stuff there. Um, and the Jazz is basically down to just Donovan Mitchell. Um, so. <laughs> he stands alone. <laughs> He's st- literally. Um, but I figured I'd just shout him out right there. But that kind of like wraps up the teams I mentioned. Like the Thunder are kind of like the Jazz, where it's basically just Shea um, and like a ton of draft picks, um, which is you know fun for their future, but they don't count for the core because they're not actually players. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of like. Kind of wraps up all the teams that I like written down. I mean that 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 wraps up our 2020 versus our 2018 rankings. <laughs> I know. I, I gotta say again, this has been fun to be able to even come back and look at this, see how our teams have changed. Uh, you best believe I have a uh, my list saved. I know you have yours and mine, so we're gonna have to look at this again on uh in 2022 to kind of <laughs> see where we are um, between now and then. But thanks a lot, Eric. This has been a lot of fun to kind of revisit and look back on and really just kind of evaluate young prospects and how we look at teams differently and how that argument shifted, you know, from team to team um, and almost from like a tier to tier. Yeah. I mean, listen, there's, there's few things better to, to podcast about than ranking young cores because you either get, you either look really smart in the future and if you can kind of <laughs> brag about it or you look dumb and then it creates plenty of comedic material to make fun of in the future. And then plus when you're ranking young cores, you, you get the most kind of, um, arguments and back and forth about kind of philosophies and things like that. So it's always a blast to rank young core. It's something we've got to try and have to do every two years so we can properly look back at our previous list. I am totally down for that. So we're, we're going to have to make sure uh, to, ear, to, to book it for, for that coming up, all right, for sure. Absolutely. All right. Do you have anything you want to plug or uh, obviously your, your great Twitter account, but just in general, anything you want to share uh, with the fans out there, um, no, you can follow me on Twitter at Eric Spiros NBA. Um, and for my writing, you'll find all of that at nuggets.com. And definitely check out this man's work. Um, it is great. He knows his nuggets. He knows the NBA, uh, great content all the time come from him. Uh, you can follow me at Corbin NBA. If you want a great questionable, uh, NBA takes that we can then have <laughs> discussions over. I am all for it. Um, definitely follow hoop ball at hoop ball.com. Um, for great content there across every team, a variety of podcasts. You know, as the NBA season 
uh, may be starting, may not be starting. You know, content is still coming out. Um, our very own Dan Bespers is still leading Fantasy NBA Today um, over Yahoo Final Ranks, everything about the news, all that coming out. So definitely make sure to follow that. Also check out HoopBall um, on Twitter, at HoopBall, um, for, again, great content, not only for your fan fantasy perspective but just great writing um and great team and nba coverage um aside from that we will be back very soon with another uh episode of nba today you'll probably find me with eric you might find me going solo the mystery will remain until uh, you hear from me again but um take care stay safe and i will talk to y'all next time all right y'all This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.